Have you ever felt controlled by your feelings? What feelings could you identify in the past? And how do you balance feelings with facts? Welcome to episode 169 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Michelle and Leah. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Michelle and Leah, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand, as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we'd like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'll be your host today. Joining me is co-host Eric. How are you today, Eric? I'm great, Spencer. It's actually, believe it or not, a beautiful day here. The heat has finally uh, diminished a little bit in Greenwich, Connecticut, but we are expecting uh, a storm coming in. Ah, uh, yes, we're, we're having that beautiful almost fall weather it was there was a football game here yesterday and it was just a gorgeous day for for a football game and the team won 63 to 3 so wow <laughs> that's preseason you know were there three guys on the other team or was it a full team <laughs> they were playing hawaii i don't know i think hawaii's not known for football <laughs> yeah the first segment of today's episode of the recovery show will be our discussion of our topic feelings Following a short break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about how we practice these principles in all our affairs. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. I picked a reading. Um, I found a whole bunch of readings encouraged to change. I have the electronic edition, the Kindle version, and so I just searched for the word feelings, and there were so many. It was really hard to pick. But I, I picked this one from August 25th. When students first learn to play the piano, they are usually taught to use only one hand and include very few keys. Then they move on to using two hands, eventually learning to play all the keys, the high ones as well as the low. In fact, part of the pleasure of playing lies in hearing the rumble of the lowest bass notes and the light chiming of the high treble. Today in Al-Anon, I am learning to play a new instrument, myself. I am a person with the capability to experience a wide range of emotions, from love to joy to wonder. I am profoundly grateful for laughter and light spirits and also for anger and fear, because all of these feelings are part of what makes me whole. I believe that my higher power wants me to be fully alive and fully aware of all my feelings. The crashing crescendo of great anger, the soft chant of serenity, the heights of wonder, and the new insights that stretch my heart and mind, just as my fingers stretch to reach all the keys in a challenging chord. I'm learning to play richer sounds than I ever thought possible." I picked that because, like the person in the reading, um, I had I had trouble both feeling or identifying and 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 understanding that I was feeling this full range. Uh, and when I know when I came into the program that that my range of feelings was pretty small. Uh, it it ranged from fear to anger to despair. Uh, you know, and I'm sure there were occasional moments of of joy and laughter but i wasn't really recognizing them because 
I had this, I think I had this sort of mental picture of what my life was like at that time. And, and it was all full of, of the fear and the anger and the despair that comes with uh, living with active addiction with no tools and, and my inability to do anything about it. Um, how about you, Eric? Uh, where, where were you with feelings before you came into a recovery program? Again, you know, I have to say it depends on where you place me in time. Prior to my wife's disease taking hold of us seven or eight years ago, you know, I was, I was pretty happy and, uh, you know, very driven in my business, successful. You know, I was very passionate. I would say my, my, uh, I had quite a bit of passion, had sense of humor. I would, you know, but I was very driven. Uh, when the disease took hold and progressed, my feelings, like you described in the reading and, and as you did for yourself, completely evaporated. You know, I didn't really have any. They were, well, I, that's not that I didn't have any. I didn't have anything good. <laughs> you know, I have this list of feelings that I printed out, and you can get them almost everywhere. And the four, well, the three main categories are happy, sad, angry, and then they, list, they say other. So happy, sad, angry, and other. I was sad, angry, and other. I had none of the happy, you know, and under sad, uh, you know, I, I highlighted gloomy, hurt, lonely, miserable, sorry, unhappy, unloved, withdrawn, all of those during early days without recovery. Under angry, annoyed, bugged, destructive, disgusted, frustrated, furious, grumpy. That was my middle name. Grumpy. <laughs> grumpy, irritated, mad, mean, violent, you know, others. I was a lot of the things under other as well, afraid, anxious ashamed, confused, embarrassed, moody, scared, worried. I mean, I was all that stuff on the right. You know, none of the things under, uh, or very seldom, if any, were the feelings under happy, which uh, you would expect, calm, cheerful, confident, content, delighted, glad, loved, relaxed, satisfied, silly, terrific, thankful. None of those. Uh, everything was consumed with trying to, you know, put out the house that was burning around me. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that was before recovery. That's for sure. Something else that came out of that reading for me, and I don't know that the reading says it explicitly, but this notion that certain feelings are good and certain feelings are bad and that we should try to have the good feelings and not have the bad feelings. And and when I read this sentence, I am profoundly grateful for laughter and light spirits and also for anger and fear, because all of these feelings are part of what makes me whole. And I, I realized that I, I know that certainly in the past, and I think still to some extent, I, I have this notion that that some feelings are good to have and, and other feelings that I really shouldn't have them. And whenever that word should comes into the conversation, then I know that that's sort of a red flag uh, where I'm making judgments and I'm not uh, being accepting of, of reality and of what is. But this the reading takes it another step further and says that if I only allow myself to have good feelings and if i try to suppress bad feelings and i'm putting those words in air quotes you can't see the air quotes on the on the podcast of course uh, if i if i only allow myself to have good feelings and suppress the bad feelings i'm not being a whole person 
Uh, I'm not living my life to the to the fullest extent that I can live it. I don't, I don't know that I I recognized that explicitly when I was preparing for this episode until I until I read this again right now. It's kind of interesting. Did you have this notion that you know there were good feelings and bad feelings? This is something maybe I, I think. <sighs> I'm trying to remember, I'm sure my parents said this to me at some point, you know, oh, don't feel like that. Is that something that, that, that you experienced? Oh, for sure. I mean, feeling bad is how I felt. I, I didn't necessarily have good feelings or bad feelings or feel that certain feelings were bad. I just felt bad. <laughs> you know, I didn't identify it as a bad, you know, a, a a list of feelings and those three are making me feel bad. I just felt bad. I couldn't even identify, you know, why or how to change it. It was just a constant cloud of negativity. And, um, you know, I just jotted down while we were speaking uh, that you you can't have a rainbow with only two colors, you know, with only black and white. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, there are many, many colors that go into a rainbow. Actually, I'm thinking, Back in the back in the battle days, as it were, uh, those colors were more like brown and gray for me. Yeah, well, whatever the crap color is, that's what it was. You know, <laughs> black, gray, doom, whatever, whatever color doom and gloom is. Those were the two I had. Yeah, it wasn't really you know until well into the program. I guess fourth step helped me identify the range of feelings, you know, and the range of capabilities, both good and bad. You know, that opened up uh, my ability to see the rest of the rainbow and realize that there are necessary bad feelings as well as, you know, many good feelings. And they're all part of life. How we choose to use them and what choices we make and whether we stand underneath the cloud or, um, you know, get out from under it or let it pass and not let it ruin our day. We can still go to the beach, you know. Yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about you felt bad and I thought, yeah, that's true. I mean, I couldn't have named, I couldn't have named a bunch of feelings. Uh, Maybe with the help of of that chart that that you pulled out, maybe I could, Mm -hmm. could have named some feelings. But I think if somebody asked me, how are you feeling? My answer would have been fine. Yes. Or okay. Or grump. (laughs) <laughs> None of which are actually feelings. <laughs> what they they're, they're they're an attempt to avoid naming how I'm feeling, um, particularly fine, which sort of puts itself forward as good, but in my understanding now, and and in the way that I meant it back then, was uh, I'm really feeling really lousy right now, and I don't want to talk about it, and I don't want you to know that I'm feeling lousy, so I'm going to say fine. Yeah, I call I call that with my daughters the, the four letter F word. Uh, <laughs> the other four letter F word. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's pretty much their explanation of whenever I ask. That is the answer I've gotten. You know, they don't have recovery necessarily as I do. I hope they're picking up a little from me. But mm-hmm. yeah, the four letter F word. How you doing? How you feeling? Fine. And that's it. And that's all they have. But we know there's a, something, obviously, again, I'll refer to the iPhone. You know, someone at Apple is, is in our program because they've got the great tool of detachment, which is block this caller, which is uh, <laughs> amazing, amazingly effective detachment tool. But they've also got all these emojis. And, you know, they've got the full range of emotions. You can just 
click and send. <laughs> I get more, I get more descriptive feelings from my children by an emoji uh-huh. than I ever do verbally. Huh. But you know what? It's good enough. <laughs> sure. I feel silly, yeah. and I get a silly yeah. face with with a tongue sticking out and one eye shut, and the other bugged out. She's feeling silly. Yep, it's an amazing tool. Yep, I remember <laughs> sitting in, I don't know, counselor's office, doctor's office, something, and they would have this 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 many times copied chart of right. uh, faces with expressions and and words under them, so that you could you could point to the way your you thought your face looked to describe how you were feeling. Sometimes, sometimes a picture is a much better tool than a word. Yeah, for that, and it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty effective tool. I, I mean, I use them all day long. Those little emojis, and they come in handy. And you know, I can actually change the way I feel by just choosing a better looking emoji than I think I am looking like in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, and I'll just choose one that looks happier than I feel. You know. Yeah, I want to come back to that that idea yeah. a little bit later because that was okay. something I actually hadn't thought of uh, again when I was writing up the notes for the show but this idea that that we can have some effect on how we feel a uh, bit by the way that we present ourselves the way we carry ourselves so let's come back to that when we're talking about tools try to remind me Okay. so something else that has become maybe more clear to me as clarity emerged by uh, working, working the steps of of Al-Anon, that a lot of the time in the past, my emotions kind of controlled my actions. Sometimes in sort of a negative way, in the sense that, oh, I can't do something because I'm feeling lousy, or sometimes if I'm really angry, then I act out of that anger. If I'm really sad, I act out of that sad. As I have learned in in the program um, I don't actually have to act in a certain way because I'm feeling a certain way and I don't know how that makes sense to you it, it does sort of make sense to me these days I I acted out of anger a lot how about you um sure I mean I acted more I think out of fear Mm-hmm. And, you know, that fear over the period, you know, when I was struggling without tools morphed into profound sadness and desperation, hopelessness. And I have a reading that might make sense to bring up here. And it, sure. Um, two of them actually short paraphrase. One is from Chapter 5 and uh, how Al-Anon works from Becoming Aware. I'll just jump into the middle. Each such episode devastated us as if it were the first. Yet we soon reverted to the reality we chose to see, once again painting a picture of bliss and harmony that was bound to let us down. Or we may have latched on to the opposite reality, perceiving that life was chaotic and that moments of peace or good humor were not to be trusted. In this case, we denied ourselves the enjoyment of kindness, love, pleasure, and goodwill. We remained perpetually on guard. Living with alcoholism caused us to suppress or ignore our emotions our desires, our hopes. We hid our real feelings in order to survive. And in time, we forgot we ever had feelings. That one was definitely me. We hear it all the time in the rooms that we bury our feelings. Yeah. 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 And then the other reading is uh, from chapter on step three, page 99, which is a good way to kind of bring it back to how the program has helped in this regard. And it says, so we choose differently. We make a decision 
a commitment to take all of our concerns and feelings, worries, fears, resentments, loves, dreams, wishes, thoughts, choices, and relationships, in short, our will and our lives, and place them in the care of a God of our understanding. We don't have to figure anything out, know what the results will be, or even feel comfortable letting go of our efforts to control. All we need to do is make a decision. By making such a commitment, we stop setting ourselves up for the failure we have known in the past, when we've tried to manipulate people and events that were beyond our control. Instead, we make the decision to turn it over. So for me, that says, you know, letting go and turning it over, we can again begin to trust some of the feelings that are actually good and that they may actually last. Where in the past, I think uh, I just had abandoned all hope you know, of ever getting better and feeling better. Mm-hmm. So I found a, another reading, as long as we're doing readings here. Sure. It's April 23rd from Courage to Change. I'm not sure if this is the whole reading. When I came to Al-Anon, I didn't feel. When I lost a job, I said, no problem, I can take it. When we had a child, I said, no big deal, it's just another day. Nothing moved me at all. It was like being dead. And I don't think I was quite that far gone, but I, I don't think, and, I, and it wasn't really like being dead because I was so angry. And that anger came from stuffing these other feelings, from not wanting to feel fear, from not wanting to feel despair, from not wanting to feel frustration and resentment. I stuffed them all down, uh, and then they all turned into to anger and to rage. Then that sort of suppressed the positive feelings. It was really hard to, to be happy when when I was so angry and when I was so fearful that I, I couldn't take it. Um, I couldn't feel it. And then uh, the reading goes on to sort of talk about recovery uh, from that state of deadness. My Al-Anon friends assured me that I did have feelings, but I had lost touch with them through years of living with alcoholism and denying every hint of anger, joy, or sorrow. As I began to recover, I began to feel, and it was very confusing. For a while, I thought I might be getting sicker than ever because the feelings were so uncomfortable, but my Al-Anon friends assured me that this was just part of the process. I was ready to experience feelings, and the discomfort did pass. Slowly, I became more whole. As long as I kept them trapped inside me, my feelings were painful and poisonous secrets. When I let them out, they became expressions of my vitality. Man, I identify with that second to last sentence when as long as i kept them trapped inside me my feelings were painful and poisonous and and i was thinking about you know how things are coming out and and how i felt in first it, it you know my very first meeting like it was a, a place that was safe enough for me to actually cry about what was going on and that is not something that I had done. I had not done it in secret, and I certainly had not done it in public. Uh, and there I was sitting in a room full of strangers and crying. The, the feelings started coming out, and I think that really a big result of that was losing my rage. Well, yeah, I can, uh, I can I, I absolutely identify with that. My uh, first meeting I stumbled into, I don't even know how I got there, and then, you know, when I heard, try six meetings, try six more, I cried through the first dozen. I mean, I had no, there was no, uh, there was no hiding the fact that I was a total basket case. 
my only feeling was desperate help, you know, hopelessness. I guess, you know, I, I've, I've always thought that I have this huge heart and, you know, it had been trampled and just absolutely demoralized to the point where I had nothing left. And, um, the only thing I had left was, I guess, the ability to show it. And I literally whimpered and cried and through my first several meetings at least. And thank God some, uh, some people came up to me and spoke to me after the meeting. I, I often say that my first sponsor was a guy that handed me his business card in, in the very first meeting. I, I think he just, as I put it, I think he just took pity on me. Mm. He, he denies that. He just was offering help. But that's the way it felt to me. Uh, I was pitiful. But I, uh, I have another reading, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. while we're on readings. And this one, I think, you know, I printed it. And it doesn't reference what page. It's a little bit long, but it, I think it's the, the end where I want to finish is what I want to get to, but it doesn't make sense without reading the beginning. So here goes. It says, um, it is said that we never get more than we can handle. This can be hard to believe as we watch the door slam shut on several years of marriage or sit in an emergency room with an undeniably broken bone from the latest violent alcoholic episode. Sometimes we face up to a difficult situation at the first sign of trouble, but often we have been affected by someone else's drinking, try to pretend that the problem doesn't exist or hope that it will go away. This is a form of denial. And I wrote in the margin, in other words, we bury our feelings at other times. Awareness comes to us slowly and gently, and we have the luxury of relinquishing denial little by little, replacing it with a sense of security that frequently develops in Al-Anon, regardless of our problems, identifying with other members as they face their own truths, seeing the courage all around us, and being totally free from pressure to do it, quote, the right way, encourages us to feel safe. As that feeling grows, long-buried awareness can begin to awaken within us, and just Moving down to the bottom, it says beginners are not the only ones who have difficulty coping with trying situations. Even longtime members accustomed to relatively serene lives may be reluctant to acknowledge the strain of a crisis. It's easy to delude ourselves that with enough recovery, nothing should bother us. On the contrary, and this is what I found really interesting, as we recover, we begin to feel all our feelings and participate in life more fully. I've definitely found that to be true. Feeling my feelings again can also be difficult. You know, uh, a lot of the pain is coming out and it's kind of a necessary part of healing is to, uh, you know, feel the wounds and not just numb them with denial and, and avoidance. So I thought those were pretty good. I remember a time when I had, I, I had been in the program a few years. I don't know exactly how many, uh, and I had spent the weekend as I like to put it, locked in a church with a bunch of teenagers, voluntarily. And I was talking to some friends on Sunday morning, and I could just feel, through the exhaustion, I could feel this huge smile on my face. And, and friends said, how, you know, how are you feeling? I said, I am full of joy. And that may be the first time in my life that I ever said those words. And there may have been times when I felt like that before, but I couldn't recognize it. I couldn't, I couldn't feel it. Or maybe, as, you, as the reading says, that sort of freeing myself up to feel my feelings led me to the place where I could, I could have that. I could have that feeling. Like the, like the colors of the rainbow, you know, you, you just, you, 
It will not look as nice if it's only black and white. I'll, that is I'll finish. <laughs> um, you need all the shades. And here's the last uh, little section from the same Becoming Aware, page 25 in whatever I printed. But it says, sometimes I think I hurt more now than I did in the early days because the more I'm aware, the more I feel. Of course, I have tools now to help me handle the pain. I don't suffer as long, and I don't suffer alone. Still, I feel like saying sometimes, tell me again how happy I am. Mm. <laughs> anyway, pretty funny. Mm. I don't find that in how Alanon works. I'm not sure what book that came oh, from. Oh, really? Oh, it's yeah. from Becoming, it says Becoming Aware, Alanon Family Group. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. Progress. Um, it's under a, a, a paragraph called Progress, Not Perfection, or Section. We'll figure it out, maybe. Okay. Um, something that you brought up as we were talking about the episode was the saying, feelings are not facts. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people struggle with. There's some people in my groups that have stuck on that for years. What's your understanding of that that statement? You know, it's still a little difficult. I'm still figuring that one out, but I, I do understand that feelings can, you know, look at the chart, the emojis. I can actually choose a different feeling than... And there was a reading I found somewhere, it might have been Psychology Today, that uh, talked about it. They gave an example, I think. You know, the, if the boss snaps at you for something, it doesn't necessarily mean he's mad. Because your boss or partner looked at you in a funny way or spoke with a sharp tone, doesn't mean that he or she is mad at you. Sometimes people are rushed or even have had a bad moment. So it's just, and that you are misinterpreting the message. So it may not be a fact that they're mad as you assume they are. The other thing it means to me is it is a fact that I feel sad, but it's it's a feeling that whatever has made me sad is making me feel sad, and that'll pass. I think the problem with the beginning was before I understood that, you know, feelings pass and it's a cloud that will pass by, whether it's a dark cloud or a bright white cloud mm-hmm. um if we look at feelings in that way which we've all heard in the program in the rooms i'm sure you know that feelings are like clouds that they'll pass us by and there'll be another one behind it the next one might be gray or black and tomorrow they might all be pink and white they pass i think the reason this is a, such a big topic and confusion uh, confusing to people is in the beginning every feeling felt like a fact it never seemed to change because they were all dark clouds. And I think that's the origin of the lengthy discussion people have about it. In the beginning, before recovery, the feel, the feelings we had were just doom and gloom and they didn't feel like they would ever pass. So I think talking about it as they are not facts lightens us up to believe that they too will pass just as good feelings do. There's other feelings coming, you know, Tomorrow is another day. The feelings may be completely different. Again, in the, in the beginning, I just felt stuck, you know, under the black cloud. Mm-hmm. What it brings to my mind is the thing that I might say or that I might hear somebody say, when I'm feeling bad, I might say or I might have said, life is horrible. And that word, that little two-letter word is, I think, exemplifies the the problem in the feelings are not facts statement that because right now I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling resentful, that means that my life is 
horrible. And is implies continuing. Like, you know, my life is, my life is terrible. And in parenthesis, maybe not explicitly stated, and it's always going to be that way. And it always has been that way. Mm-hmm. And you sort of said that same thing in different words. It, when, when you say something is a fact, then that, that means it has longevity. Uh, it doesn't change. And, and I think that may be, that may be part of the issue is in, in treating feelings as facts. I treat them as if they're things they can't change. And when I can recognize that, as as the saying has it, this too shall pass. That yeah, right now I'm feeling lousy, but a little while ago I was feeling okay, and tomorrow I might be really happy. Uh, I might be good in an hour, uh, but right now I have this feeling. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the best explanation I've ever heard of it. So thank you. <laughs> you know, it's not forever. So I think I think I'm moving. We're moving sort of forward into solution here, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different aspects of that. I think one for me was just being able to name feelings, right? To go from I'm feeling lousy, I'm feeling bad, everything's horrible, to I'm angry right now, I'm resentful, I'm sad, I'm in fear, uh, and. And naming, being able to name them and being able to, by putting names on them, then being able to maybe connect them to things that happened and connect them to things that I might be able to do all kind of comes together uh, to make it easier to not get caught up, to not get dragged down. Your thoughts? You know, it's amazing that... Any movie you've ever seen um, analyze this? I mean, the first thing a psychiatrist or a shrink or a therapist asks is, how are you feeling? The very <laughs> first thing. <laughs> how are you feeling? I don't and, know. Yeah, that's usually the answer. Or fine, you know, the uh, four-letter F word. Yes. Well, they're usually, if they're any good, not satisfied with that. You know, they want you to identify your feeling and your feelings. You know, I'm just looking at this, another list printed out, and, you know, there are, I don't know, 60 different words on this one page. Mm-hmm. And the, the intensity of feelings uh, from high, medium, low, under five different categories, happy, sad, angry, afraid, or ashamed. And underneath each one of those is 15 subcategories. I think as we grow in the program, we learn that it's not just sad. It's alone, hurt, um, somber, let down, melancholy. I'm not just afraid. You know, in the high category, I'm terrified, I'm horrified, I'm petrified. In the medium category, I'm frightened, threatened, insecure. In the low, I'm nervous, worried, timid, unsure. So there's a, like I said, you know, the rainbow in this case of human emotion, the rainbow is not just made up of those seven. There's probably 30 things that we could identify instead of just fine or happy, sad, angry, afraid, or ashamed. There's lots underneath them. And I think the more time we spend in recovery and the more we're able to identify an actual feeling underneath a category, you know, the more we're able to look at it as a cloud and see that it's going to pass. Yep. 
and grow more secure and ultimately more happy and serene mm-hmm. because we're going to see that this will pass. Mm-hmm. You know, there's another thing in there that I, again, I just recognized as you were reading out those, those five categories, uh, ashamed, like yeah. that was not, that was not something I let myself feel mm-hmm. in the past. When I felt ashamed, I would probably go straight from there to anger. Right. Uh, so that I didn't have to feel ashamed. I would get yeah. angry. Those and, are on the top of the list, you know, that's a major category. And yeah. there's nothing, you know, yeah. I used to do the same. I had nothing underneath it, just anger. Yeah. You know, but also just not letting myself, not, quote, letting myself feel certain categories. Right. So recognizing that, learning that um, feelings, if feelings are not facts, then if I'm feeling ashamed, that doesn't necessarily mean that I am shameful. Mm-hmm. And that makes it easier for me to feel that feeling rather than pushing it down and covering it up with anger. Right. Uh, and that recognition, that ability to recognize, I think for me connects to our fourth step of inventory Mm-hmm. that the practice that I got in doing step four, and in fact, working all the steps, but step four in particular of the searching and fearless moral inventory of looking at myself honestly, as honestly as I could each time I did it. And I've, I've done a full fourth step a couple of times, maybe three times, maybe being able to get a little more honest with myself each time gives me practice in maybe seeing things in myself, first just seeing things in myself, seeing character traits, seeing actions more clearly. In that process, becoming more comfortable with looking at those things that I don't want to look at and recognizing that even though I may have done things that I don't like, I may do things that I don't like about myself, um, two things come out of of the further steps. One is, it doesn't make me a bad person. It makes me human. And I can do something about it. It doesn't have to be that way forever. Um, and, And so that process for me of working through step four of the inventory, step five, sharing my faults with another person, with myself and with my higher power, not necessarily in that order. Uh, and step six and seven of, of becoming ready and asking for them to be removed and then also moving into uh, steps eight and nine of making a list of pers- people that I harmed and making amends. Those give me a way to do something about the stuff I don't like and make it both more possible and more comfortable to sit in a, quote, bad feeling rather than pushing it down, shoving it away, turning it into something else. Uh, And so experiencing more of the full range, experiencing shame without feeling like I want to die, for example. I have some quotes that I think uh, are pretty cool, not out of our literature, but, you know, I find that I'm a little bit conflicted about this. I spoke to my sponsor. You know, there's plenty of readings. Almost every daily reader has a quote at the bottom of the page. Yeah, 
Yeah, they come from everyday people, so, you know, smart people, Helen Keller, I mean, you name it. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's no uh, way to know whether Helen Keller was in Al-Anon, but her words make Al-Anon sense. I think existed then. So <laughs> yeah, probably, probably not. not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Eleanor Roosevelt, I doubt it. <clears throat> but, you know, so uh, uh, as we're not technically uh, a, a meeting, I think I can... I'm safe in uh, sharing some quotes that I like. So that's the good thing about uh, that decision to remain as we are in this podcast. Um, and these, uh, you know, I, I, tried, I shared for the month of uh, August in a meeting and, and I got away with it for the first two meetings. And then finally somebody said, uh, are those Alan approved? Are those conference approved? So I got shut down, but there's a couple of good ones here. Um, this one says feelings of worth can flourish only in an atmosphere where individual differences are appreciated, mistakes are tolerated, communication is open, and rules are flexible. The kind of atmosphere that is found in a nurturing family. And that's by someone named Virginia Satir, S-A-T-I-R. That to me sounds like an Aladon meeting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. rules are flexible, atmosphere of nurturing, uh, mistakes are tolerated, differences are appreciated. I mean, crosstalk, I mean, I could reference three or four uh, of the traditions in that uh, quote. Another one here. Positive feelings come from being honest about yourself and accepting your personality and physical characteristics, warts and all, and for belonging to a family that accepts you without question. Again, you know, that's a meeting. Um uh, that's the Al-Anon family group. And that was yeah. by Willard Scott. He's a weatherman, isn't he? Well, sort of, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> pretty pretty profound for a weather guy. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I'll give you here was a good one that says, I pay no attention whatever to anybody's praise or blame. I simply follow my own feelings. Mozart, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Yeah, he, well, you know, he was a genius too. So. That's true. I tend to listen to guys that are geniuses. It usually makes some sense. Pretty smart. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many quotes uh, that we hear around our rooms are from Albert Einstein. Yeah, I don't think he was an al either. No, I doubt it. But I think he was the one that said uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I, he might have even said, don't go to the hardware store for bread, but I'm not sure. I th- I think Hard I for me to imagine up. Albert Einstein going to the hardware store, but, you know, I suppose he probably did. I just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't credit him with that. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder, what tools of, of the program, slogans or other tools do you use, have you used uh-huh. to help help accept um, and feel your feelings uh, to not react based on feelings, that sort of thing? I mean, I could probably say almost all of them uh, would apply to this. You know, easy does it, certainly. First things first, certainly. One day at a time, absolutely. You know, tomorrow's going to be different. I might feel completely differently, as you pointed out earlier. I don't know if feelings aren't facts is a slogan. I think it might be. It, um, it certainly has that, that status sometimes, whether, sure. whether it is or not. Yeah, let it begin with me. I mean, almost, you know, I, I can't quite pick a slogan out that wouldn't work with kind of helping about this issue of feelings aren't facts and they pass. And yeah, a, a lot of them, a lot of them certainly apply. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I think when I wrote this question, I was thinking 
about dealing with negative feelings, mm-hmm. getting through whatever, uh, but also positive feelings. Like I might have felt in the past that it was not okay for me to be happy because you know, all this horrible stuff was going on. I think something like just for today helps me to recognize that I can be happy even if there are things that are sad. I can be happy right now. Uh, it doesn't diminish anything uh, for me to enjoy the moment. And I think that that shows up in our meetings when you hear the laughter. You know, here are people that maybe their their life situation is not on the whole wonderful, but in a meeting, we can find a few moments to enjoy humor, to laugh, to smile. That's pretty huge. So feelings aren't facts. Facts aren't feelings either. Because just because maybe my life situation is not perfect doesn't mean that I have to have a a single feeling about it, that I have to have a single feeling all the time. Am I supposed to be angry because angry all the time because I have credit card bills that aren't paid off? Well, (laughs) that would make for a a pretty angry life. Uh, Am I supposed to not be happy because my car has rust holes in it and I can't afford a new car right now? Well, that makes it not possible for me to be happy. And, and, but if I know that, you know, things are just for today, just for this moment, I can be happy. Um, I can be joyful. I can be angry even, uh, but I don't have to carry it with me the whole time. I think that's really important. Yeah. I'm looking at the slogans. Um, you know, there's really, I mean, I would say there's a, kernel of um, you know the feelings discussion we're having in almost every one of them keep it simple uh, can help us look at what really is happening rather right. than what we imagine may happen right. uh, but for the grace of god uh, helps us to avoid impatience criticism resentment and vengefulness easy does it helps us to remember uh, that trying to force solutions often often does not work and, you know, uh, that frustrates us when uh, we try to force solutions. And that's a feeling, frustration. Sure does. Um, sometimes a gentler, more patient approach is more effective and less frustrating. All right under easy does it. First things first helps us to set reasonable priorities and realistic perspective. You know, feelings are, and and uh, not getting caught up in one, you know, heading. First things first allows us to do that. What's most important? is that the cloud over me is dark and it's about to rain, or that I realize it'll pass and there's a bright sky coming. You know, um, so they're all, all relative, I would say, in some way or another, or relevant, maybe. <laughs> another thing first thing first says to me is, you know, ask that question, is there something I can do right now? Because if there is, maybe I should do it. To, to keep with your rain cloud metaphor, if I see a rain cloud coming, do I have to get wet? Can I put on a raincoat, get out an umbrella, go under a shelter? Uh, look around. You know, what's available for me? Uh, when I see an event coming that I think is going to make me sad or angry or whatever, is there something I can do to reduce its impact on me? 
uh, or to avoid it totally? Can I get out of the way of the oncoming car? Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't have to stand there and take it. You know, some things are, some things are inevitable, but some things can actually, if I keep a clear head and if I recognize that, yeah, I I want to cross the street, but maybe this is not the moment because there's all this traffic coming, and and if I try to cross the street in the middle of the traffic, I'm going to get hurt. You know, if I try to bring up a difficult subject with somebody who's in a lousy mood, I might get hurt. Uh, and and so that can help me to not get into a place where then I end up feeling angry, frustrated, sad, one of those things. So that's that's cool too. Prayer and meditation. Well, seems like there's a tool there for Sure. Absolutely. Working working with accepting maybe even changing uh, when we're feeling negative. Yeah, I've used um, that to, you know, about, I want to say about a year ago, I kind of embraced, I went through a lot of the slogans, because for me, the slogans are the one, you know, the tool that I can carry very easily from a meeting and pocket those uh, little one, two, three word sayings. I, I, I can't necessarily remember the entire step to use as a tool to a situation, but I can certainly remember easy does it. Uh, let it go. Um, you know, how important is it? Those are kind of, you know, the pocket change I can take from a meeting. And, um, the one I kind of been using a lot kind of as I finished the steps, I embraced easy does it. And I, I also embraced meditation practice using the app we talked about when our, our last time we had a podcast on meditation. I mean, I, I'm up to, a hundred days straight, you get a little gold star and yeah. I'm up to 296 uh, days this year so far. I mean, and it's had a profound effect uh, on my ability to stay, you know, out of the EKG of feelings, you know, stay within a, a smooth, a long sine wave rather than the uh, panicked EKG uh of of up and down emotions ranges from peaks to valleys to peaks to valleys you know i'm able to stay in you know a smooth uh long amplitude wave and that's where i want to live and Mm -hmm. um, that just brings everything down allows me to stay in the moment and keeps me in the mood i want to live my life in which is with peace of mind and serenity and i had an example a few weeks ago with my younger daughter who um, you know, got into uh, a, an absolute mess with her mom, who's um, a qualifier in our family that is driving us all crazy at times. And, and um, she, my younger, had lived with her um, for the last two years since our divorce. And I think at one point last week, I had had it. You know, I just wondered why it took so long. But she went to get her things to move in with me. And her mother had locked her out and told her she'd changed the uh, Changed the code and the locks, and and my daughter flipped out and put her hand through the window, and I had to take her to the ER. And throughout that whole thing, I mean, I, I was on the phone with my sponsor a few times, or texted him a few times, but I stayed completely in a neutral emotional state, and my feelings were concern, not panic, not fear, not paralysis, and they. By my staying in that zone, I did more good for my child than I could have ever 
by flying in and taking charge and busting down the door and yelling and screaming. My daughter, although she was distraught, got in the car with me and drove to my house and saw that I had, you know, had a reasonable and sane uh, demeanor. And that, in turn, calmed her down. So, you know, staying in that mm-hmm. mid-range of emotion has an effect on people around me as well. A uh, very positive effect. Right in our preamble, you know, says that changed attitudes can aid recovery. And my attitude that I've changed is to no longer live in these peaks and valleys of feelings, you know, to live in the middle. That's really helpful for everybody. Okay, thank you. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. Our first musical selection, which you can listen to on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 169, is Linkin Park and their song, Numb. And Eric, why don't you tell us about it? You know, this song speaks to someone who wants to suppress all feelings. It was my daughter's anthem when she was uh, 14 and, um, you know, had to go into hospital for uh, anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. You know, this just played in her head, I'm sure, all day long. And some of the lyrics are, I'm tired of being what you want me to be, feeling so faithless, lost under the surface. I don't know what you're expecting of me. Put under the pressure of walking in your shoes. I've become so numb, I can't feel you there. Become so tired, so much more aware. I'm becoming this, all I want to do is be more like me and be less like you. There's more to that. There's a lot more, but when you hear it, it's so powerful. Holy smokes. I'm sure you know the song. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery and what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. Eric, how's your week? Good week for recovery. It's also been a busy week for business. And my business is finally picking up again after three or four months of really struggling. But I did make, um, let's see, last Saturday, two meetings. The morning meeting was um, my last of uh, the month, I think, of uh, August. I led the meetings, Saturday morning meetings for the month of August uh, locally. That's interesting. I, I took an approach where I did the first Saturday um I looked at the cover of our three daily readers. The first three Saturdays I did uh, one day at a time. So the first Saturday was living in the moment, being present. Um, the second was looking at the words courage and change. And the third Saturday was hope, um, as in hope for today. And then I wrapped up kind of with what, what I came in for, which was serenity and discussion of serenity. And I kind of finished with the Al-Anon promises. It's the last Saturday, so it was a good meeting. And then I had my men's group Saturday evening. Um, I had my notes about each one of these meetings, and I forgot to bring them today. But uh, if I recall, it was actually about uh, enabling uh, and abandonment that um, an adult child who had two children as qualifiers as well led. Sunday was um, the 12 and 12 meeting. Uh, that was on, uh, I think it was the last tradition. Tradition 12, which is a good meeting, well attended. I made my home group Thursday, which uh, (laughs) 
I arrived late because I had a business meeting, only to find out that I was supposed to be leaving. As uh, oops, <laughs> that happens. Yeah, it was a big oops, and uh, and thankfully it was uh, it was on a nine step because it was the first Thursday of the month, so I made a quick amends to everybody in the group, and we got over it. <laughs> Yeah, it was an easy one. You're all on my list, and I am, you know, it was wrong of me to arrive late. That was it. What an easy, you know, normally. Yes. And, and I said, as I arrived, you know, a good 20, 30 minutes late, I said, uh, I, and, and someone pointed out to me that uh, I said, we're on the ninth step, aren't we? And I said, yes. I said, okay, well, I'll see you next week. <laughs> I certainly dreaded the ninth step. But uh, that was uh, Thursday. Yesterday, I went briefly to the Saturday morning meeting. Left early because now my 14-year-old is living with me and I wanted to get home to make her breakfast. I shared and excused myself and everybody completely understood. And uh, I did share that my daughter had moved in with me. So, And uh, that's it. And now I'm here with you. Okay. Thinking back over my week, uh, last Saturday, our district is doing a series of, of open talks. And I was asked if I would give the talk for August. Yeah, it was August last week. Uh, so I did. And uh, many of you may have listened to that because it was the previous episode of the podcast. And it was it was an interesting experience. I haven't given one of those in, in a while. It's interesting for me to see how the talk changes as um, I have spent more time in the program. And one of the, the key things that changes is how much of the talk is spent talking about the alcoholic in my life and how much of the talk is spent talking about me. And as, as I live longer in the program, more and more of the talks about me and less and less of it's about her. And I view that as a healthy thing. And somebody came up afterwards who was new in the program and heard that about the talk from somebody at a meeting earlier in the week and was really glad to have come. And so I felt like, as I said, when I was opening, I, I, the, the talk was held at a church and I went into the the church sanctuary and spent some time uh, in meditation and prayer asking just that I be able to say something that touches at least one person. And it sounds like I might have succeeded at that. So that was all I needed. Um, and also, I didn't really prepare for it until like half an hour before. And I think, you know, it's my story. Do I really have to like prepared to remember my story well somewhat yeah i had a series of points i wanted to hit and of course i didn't hit all of them which is just fine i apparently said the things i needed to say i've been reading a book and talking about non-conference approved literature this is not an Elanon book but it's a, it's a book that is is speaking to me it's speaking to some of the things that i've i've learned in recovery the book's called the year of yes and it's by shonda rhymes uh, and I hadn't actually heard of her before my sister gave me this book for my birthday. She created a bunch of hit TV shows. I think the first one that was big is, was uh, Grey's Anatomy, which you probably have heard of. She talks about making a transition and making a commitment to change, making a commitment to say yes to things that scared her to say yes to speaking at the commencement address at Dartmouth University, to say yes to giving a speech to 
the 100 most powerful women in Hollywood or whatever it was to say yes to being on a TV show. She's a writer, not an actor. And she was being asked to act on a TV show. Um, And because she had made this commitment to say yes, then she felt she had to do it. And she talks about how having said yes actually helped to remove the fear that was there that was preventing her from saying yes. I haven't finished the book, but one of the most recent chapters I read is titled Saying Yes to No. And it's about how sometimes the brave thing to do, if you will, the courageous thing to do, the thing that we don't want to do is to say no. And that it's important to know when we have to say no, because that's the right thing for us. Just like it's important to know when it's when it's the right thing to say yes. So I've, I'm really enjoying the book. I'm I'm connecting a lot to it. Uh, I definitely connected with the fear of saying no because I have that as well. And I'm I'm really contemplating doing a effectively a review of the book as a as a podcast episode sometime in the in the near future. So we'll see how that goes. It's a fun read. And I'm getting a lot out of it. I had an incident at work this week that I might need to make amends. I was in a meeting and one of my colleagues and I were got into a sort of a heated discussion. And it felt like he left the meeting really grumpy. And I felt like I had something to do with that. And that that I was sort of cutting him off from expressing his his opinion. And... I think I need to make amends for that. I think I need to talk to him and say, Hey, you know, um, I didn't come out of that meeting feeling good about our interaction. And do we need to, to clear the air or not? At least, at least do that. So that's, that's, that's an open agenda item for me, I guess. And I haven't thought too far ahead about uh, podcast topics. No idea what I might be doing next week. If you've got an idea, send it in. I know some of you already have, and I, sh- I need to go back through those ideas that people have sent in because I'm sure that one of them will pop for me just like this week. Actually, Eric, I think you had suggested feelings as a topic a couple of weeks ago, and this week it popped for me. Uh, and I was really happy that, that you were able to do it because it is a holiday weekend and I wasn't sure. A lot of people are like out of town and stuff. Yeah, if you recall, I originally suggested sadness. <laughs> you did, you did, and, uh, and, and then you I'm said, so "How about feelings?" We, yeah, yeah, I'm so happy we chose the larger uh, issue of yeah. feelings because yeah. sadness is a feeling, indeed, indeed. Yeah. And and I sort of left it open if we wanted to bring that in explicitly, and I think it came in a couple of times. So that's I good. think you're right. Yeah. Um, so you can join our conversation uh, if you want. Leave us a voicemail or send us an email. And Eric, how can people do that? Uh, You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Again, call right now, 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of feelings or any of our upcoming topics, including insert topic here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Reading the script. If if you'd like a topic, if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. 
And uh, you can get all the information about The Recovery Show at our website, which is therecoveryshow.com. And it includes notes for each episode, links to the music that we talk about, links to other recovery podcasts and websites. And there's um, a page with all the contact information. I think if you go to the, the recoveryshow.com slash contact, get the phone number, the voicemail button, the email address, and some other stuff there. Uh, so you don't have to keep all that in your head. Just remember therecoveryshow.com and click on the contact link or just go to therecoveryshow.com slash contact. And have I said that enough times? I think I have. All right, we'll take a short break before we look at our email and voicemail feedback and the second musical selection, which also is available on the website. The song is titled Emotions and Math. It's by Margaret Glasby. And I just heard that this week. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. I think I heard it like Saturday morning, actually. I thought this is perfect for the feelings episode because, well, let me read some lyrics here and then I'll come back to it. Oh, when I got you by my side, everything's all right. It's just when you're gone, I start to snooze the alarm because I stay up until four in the morning, counting the days till you're back, shivering in an ice cold bath of emotions and math. And to me, this is a song about how feelings can sometimes drive our actions. And I I really identified with with that particular feeling in in the in the song because I don't feel like I'm dependent emotionally on my wife, but when she's gone, I stay up late binging on Netflix uh, and then go to you know, so I go to bed late and I you know, I have to drag myself out of bed in the morning and and it just is like that that image just so resonated with me. I had to pick this song. It's called Emotions and Math, which is also an interesting title. We got some emails. We got some voicemails this week, a bunch of voicemails. Um, Leah from Australia, who is one of the people who donated to support the show, and thank you so much for that. She wrote, thank you for making recovery available 24 hours around the globe. And it's just awesome to know that we're being heard around the globe. Dave called and left a voicemail with a question. Hi, my name's Dave. I uh, just wanted to say thank you so much for the show. It is great. I have to drive about an hour, uh, three days a week for work, um, actually two hours round trip, and it's been very helpful to me. One thing, though, that um, I haven't heard from your from your talks is authority figures and how to deal with um, criticism and such from individuals' um, criticisms. Uh, detachment seems to be a good slogan. Um, also, the, a Q-tip, quick taking it personally, to name a few. But I was wondering if there's any tools, more tools in your toolbox for authority figures and how to deal with um, criticism appropriately and not take it personally. Because um, as I've heard you mention, um, it may be an Al-Anon trait, but um, trying to develop boundaries around that, it, it's difficult because we're always trying to avoid conflict. So anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, so hopefully that's something you can cover in the future. Once again, thank you very much for your show. Appreciate it. 
you know, Dave, that, that is a tough one. Um, it's one I still struggle with. I think part of it is having done a couple of inventories. I also have a nice understanding of my character assets as well as my defects. And it helps me to evaluate criticism to understand whether it's merited or not. And if it is merited, then I have further tools you know, the tools of, of the steps in working through my character defects. But when it's not merited, then I know that the problem is not me. And the problem is somewhere else. The problem is in the person doing the criticism. And there are no coincidences, maybe. Uh, Pat called, left a, left a share in which she faces a similar situation. And maybe some of the tools she used could be helpful for you, too. Hey, Spencer. Uh, this is Pat from the West Coast. I wanted to thank you for your open talk. I really enjoyed it and got me kind of choked up at a couple time spots. Um, I wanted to leave you a story about how huge the recovery show has been in my life. Um, just recently, the, the Stepping Stones to Serenity Part 4 and the other podcasts on Serenity and Choices all kind of came together to really help me during a very kind of intense week that was on an internal rather thoughtful level. So about a week ago, my husband and I were out having dinner and there's somebody there at the restaurant that we, that we knew and that I just really love and respect. And he said something that it touched us on an issue we've touched about in the past. And I just, really took it super personally and as a judgment. It felt like he was saying he does X, which is a good thing, and I do Y, which is a, you know, leaves something to be desired. And I was just really mortified. I felt chastised in front of this other person, and I reacted angrily and said something mean, kind of mean to my husband. It really hurt him a lot more than I intended it to, but it was really hurtful to him. So, of course, it, it goes without saying that this kind of, Escalate. I mean, we got our act together and didn't shout in the restaurant or anything, but there was just this low-burning anger and, and dissent for the next couple days, actually, which is rare for us. And I took it to Alan on that night, and I, I knew I couldn't sort out my thoughts around it or my feelings around it, but I knew I needed to work my program. I just didn't know where to start or how it was going to come out. I was wondering, you know, do I have to live the rest of my life with this mean husband that says this, you know, something so negative to someone in public? I was just very hurt. And that's not something he's done in the past. So anyway, I I was working on it and thinking about it, and I met with my sponsor and I was kind of focusing on detaching and um, not taking things personally. But I knew there was more to it than that. I needed to figure out the why below the reaction. And I I realized that it circled back to this basic character defect that I have that I identified before when I worked my fourth step with my sponsor quite a while ago and and had been pretty good at at combating or, or resolving or working past. Today I wrote about it in the September 2nd. I think it was Hope for Today where the writer said they realized that they equated if they weren't perfect, then they'd be abandoned. And for me, it's if I'm not perfect, then I'm not lovable. It was a real fix for my anger when I realized this, and I, I got past that, and I felt that unconditional love from my higher power. 
But I think this time it was coming from my husband, and I value his opinion so much. I just it, it had this very intense effect. So after talking with my sponsor and working through it a lot, my husband and I had a great conversation. I was able to tell him how I perceived his comment and how I felt in response to it. And he didn't intend it as a criticism at all. And when I replay that scene in my mind, I can totally see how it was playful and really benign and I could come up with a light answer. I wish I could put the pause button on for about three hours so I come up with good answers in situations like that. Um, so I really took responsibility for my angry reaction and the mean thing I'd said. And it, it was the first time I think he really understood how I still need Al-Anon even though I haven't had an alcoholic in my life for years. And I also realized that, you know, where we talked about giving our serenity away from any, to someone. I, nobody even wanted my serenity. I just threw it out the car window at 60 miles an hour. So, I'm sorry, there's just one more kind of sequelae to this whole thing. And I thought about LNC and her talk and the story about her crying to her sponsor saying, he pushed all my buttons. And her sponsor's reply was, what are you doing with buttons? And that resonated so much. I love that idea. So it was like, okay, I'm not going to have buttons. Um, and that that worked for a couple days. And then I woke up in the middle of the night with a terrible stomach ache. And it's consistent enough. I know if I get this kind of stomach ache, I know it's because I'm trying to do something all by myself and I haven't asked for my higher power's help. So I asked God for help and the stomach pain went away within minutes, which is just miraculous in and of itself. But then the next morning I also thought, you know, I need a higher power who's who's kind of a BFF. I need a higher power who's right with me. And I've always looked up to talk to my higher power. I've always thought of God as still being up in the sky somewhere. Suddenly my whole concept of God just evolved and it expanded. It was it was a part of a spiritual awakening and and now I feel like God's right next to me. I, I turn my head and to talk to him. And, and he's, I've been inviting God to be with me. I'm walking right next to me while I'm walking to work, sitting down with me when I know I'm going to have a difficult conversation. I can feel the shadow of, the, of their presence right right next to me. And so all the old sayings about walking with God has just kind of taken on a completely different meaning. I, I have to say I'm so grateful for Alanis, and I'm grateful for my character defects because without either one of those, I would never have discovered this newer, deeper, more intimate relationship with my higher power. So it's it's been a very, very cool, very Alanon week, and a lot of the um, podcasts have really been important for me. I've been able to listen to them while I've been walking and thinking and working through all this. So thanks so much, Spencer. Bye-bye. And thank you, Pat, for sharing that. And and thanks for your continuing support. We also got a voicemail from Laura uh, calling from Germany. Hi, my name is Laura. I'm calling from Munich, Germany. Um, I've been listening to your show today on a Sunday morning, and it's doing me really good. I thought I would just leave a message and follow up then with an email. I would love to share some of my experiences here in Munich. I I go regularly to English-speaking meetings here in the city and specifically perhaps about how I came to Alanon. I'm a a newbie, been around for a few months, 
and I found just by coincidence, or what I think is a coincidence, this perfect meeting for me. Well, thank you very much for your program. I'm going to follow up with an email, and I wish you guys a good Sunday. Bye-bye, and choose from Munich. Bye. And, and then Laura left us, uh, also left us an email. And uh, you want to read that, Eric? Sure. Email from Laura. Good morning. Just this weekend, during a very difficult time, I came across your podcast, and I was very thankful. I've moved to Munich nine years ago, and I'm very new to the program, as I joined in March this year. I'm at the very beginning of my practice, and everything is very challenging. Your show helps me get as much of the Al-Anon ideas and principles throughout the day. Because of child care challenges, I can only attend meetings one evening a week, and your podcast has been a tremendous help. Also, being German, not my mother tongue, I looked for more material in English and was excited when I came about your show. Thank you. Should you be interested in hearing about Al-Anon in Munich? I heard you had a German guest speaker a while ago. Do let me know. I will be happy to call in or help anyways. Today's show about serenity is just talking to me. How can a short SMS agitate me so much? Serenity is my goal. Thank you again for your work, Laura. And thank you, Laura. And uh, I might be getting in touch with you. We've got a couple of iTunes reviews. Hello, it's Jenny. Said it's a great podcast for recovery. Finding this podcast has been key in continuing my sobriety. I'm so grateful to have found such a beneficial resource. I highly recommend you give it a try. And then Abigail said, amazing. Just wanted to say, I've been in Al-Anon for over a year and have trouble connecting as I'm a double winner and I'm also sober in AA. Sometimes I feel like a wolf in sheep's clothing in meetings and this podcast has filled in the gaps in my sobriety and serenity in my Al-Anon journey. My parents are coming to visit me for the first time, and as they are both my primary qualifiers, I feel a little more at ease knowing that I can always turn on your podcast and get a jolt of peace and recovery. Keep doing what you're doing. It matters. Thank you. I want to say, Abigail, um, I always welcome the double winners uh, into our meetings because I know that you all have friends and relatives who are alcoholics and that you have been affected by their drinking. Um, it probably was not always the case that that was true for me. I have to say that also. But I know that you are welcome, uh, and I'm glad that, that we can fill in your gaps. iTunes reviews and ratings do help to make us easier to find by those in need who are seeking recovery. If you're concerned about anonymity, you can give us a rating without writing a review, and your identity will not be shown. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses, which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Michelle and Lee did. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we'll receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, direct them to therecoveryshow.com, or just listening to us. We are here for you. And uh, what did you pick for our other song? 
Pearl Jam. I'm going to go with Pearl Jam. I had two choices. Actually, I had a choice, Feelings by Morris Albert, <laughs> which uh, I wouldn't subject anyone to sitting through. Um, as I yeah. said in my email, you know, I'd like to, you know, shoot myself in the face, but the words actually are really good in the song. But uh, the other choices were Pearl Jam or Hello by Adele. I think, um, you know, we already have a pretty rocking tune there with that first one I gave okay. you. Numb. So I'm going to go with Adele. So the Pearl Jam song was called Even Flow. Even Flow. Even Flow. So if you want to look that up as an alternative, uh, Even Flow by Pearl Jam. But tell us about Adele. It's pretty intense. And Adele's song is uh, much more mellow. I think it's better to close with. And it says, hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet, to go over everything. They say that time's supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much healing. Hello, can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be when we were younger and free. I've forgotten how it felt before the world fell at our feet. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.